Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled That Simple. Then the, well, that's an unusual title, That Simple. But the author will explain all that to us, and uh, he is joining me. His name is Terry Stratton. Welcome, sir, to the program. Uh, thank you. I'm pleased to be here, Jay. Well, thank you for um, thank you for joining me. the The book itself uh, is uh, really part of a trilogy, is what you've explained to me. This is the first book, and that simple is the very simple descriptive of your book. Explain to me and to my listeners a little bit about your background and how this book got to be got to be printed and and uh, put into print. Well, you know, like like I said, it's a trilogy, and the first part of the trilogy wasn't even supposed to be book four. Mm. It it was supposed to be a background of where I came from and my perspective. And it kind of explained where I'm coming from. And then when I got through writing and I thought, well, this is, this is, you know, broad enough and large enough, this actually could be a book in itself. And even since then, I've thought of a lot of things I want to add to it, maybe expand it in later years. But And then the um, number two part is about baptism. It, it's entitled uh, Baptism in Holy Spirit or in Water, and that kind of explains the discussion. That started with a, a Bible, home Bible study when somehow the topic of baptism came up and its necessity and and I found that uh, a lot of the people in the group didn't even know of Holy um, Spirit baptism. Hmm. And so I ran with it and eventually it, it grew to book level and I thought, yeah, this, this will work as a book. And then... Uh, Part three, Holy Spirit, God's Holiness, or a Vague Person, came also in a home Bible study when this one woman in the group kept referring to it as a person, and I thought otherwise, and I took exception to it and asked her why she believed it was a person. She couldn't answer it. Hmm. And I... I answered my question uh, where I got it. Uh, I was guided by God's Holy Spirit to believe that. And, you know, over the years, I didn't even realize people actually thought of Holy Spirit as being a person. Yeah, some some yeah some churches refer to it as uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they refer to the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. Some some denominations, uh, it doesn't necessarily, I think, 
put it into the um, the form of a human necessarily when they say person, but it may be their way of explaining what what you actually have explained in your book. They may be identical, just different descriptions. Is that a possibility? That's a possibility. Yep. And how long did it take you? You've got 230 pages here. Uh, Terry, were you involved in uh, teaching these uh, these sessions, or were these just an outcropping of your curiosity about the uh, topics that were, uh, that were raised? Well, it was a little bit of both. Uh, the baptism, I was led to do a topical study on the subject. That's that's a very deep subject that you have attacked. I'm not attacked. I won't use the word attacked. I didn't mean it that way, Terry. Uh, that you've approached, I think, is a better way of, of describing this. It's not uh, not a, a a doctrinal statement as such. It's more of your your understanding and your uh, preparation in these areas that people may have questions. You you have um, have you know uh, reached an audience in your desire. I'm sure. Would it be another? teaching, uh, maybe a church group that would find this book uh, helpful in their studies? Well, I I can't be certain, but I I would hope so. Um, Well, you know, uh, the the baptism and Holy Spirit, you know, more or less, there's the same way they're closely allied. And then the first part about trusting in God and healing and help, well, that seems to be very unrelated. And I suppose, in a sense, they kind of go towards two different groups there. Yes. Those who are concerned with help and healing and, and uh, um looking for ways to be healed without, you know, uh, with costly doctor's appointments and invasive means. That's one specialty in that area. And overall, I think anybody who is looking uh, to be closer to God, trusting in God, and wondering about their own faith and spirituality, I think the whole book would apply as well. And then, of course, there's people who who thrive on, you know, controversial subjects. Yes. There are a few out there. I think I've got some in my family. I try to avoid them as much as I can. Yeah. But your your first part of the book uh, is, uh, is an interesting title and one that those who are people of faith can certainly embrace. It's titled uh, Part One, and it's called Dr. God. And you have just sort of hit the high spots of this. You've talked about uh, personal experiences. You talk about uh, health, uh, preventive health, and some other things in here. And uh, you also have listed uh, Bible passages that deal with healing, physical healing, and I guess spiritual healing as well. Uh, I would say that that's uh, an area that most people who are church-oriented or believers or maybe seekers would find interesting. Your part two deals with water and uh, the spirit baptism uh, subject matter, and it's a you know, fairly extensive area. Uh, I would say extensive, but it covers a, a number of pages. Uh, was there any challenge in putting these together in, in the 230 pages that 
you didn't realize were going to happen as you began to pen this? Uh, was there a challenge to overcome? Was there a study area that you hadn't quite realized uh, before you began writing this, and, and it came about as you wrote it? Well, when I first tried to do it, I was doing all kinds of background material. Hmm. And, you know, I kept finding that these only indirectly tied with subject matter. And I had had found out that I needed to whittle it down mm-hmm. to something more direct. And the background material, I, I still touch on, but not nearly extensively. Would you say your style is conversational in, in your writing? Uh, or is it instructional, more of a teaching sort of format where you've got references and other things that people can uh, can uh, go to? Well, I do have references to the scriptures. Uh, I do mention that there are other books out there addressing such matters, um, but I really don't, you know, deal with them very much. Right. Uh, mostly, it's kind of a question and answer discussion. Uh, uh, in most cases, I don't say it is this way. Gotcha. I say, okay, this is the way it's written. Now, does this make sense, or does this make sense? You know, better sense. You know, it's kind of like what Paul did. I think in his writing, he was a uh, he was an attorney or a, a, a lawyer, I think, by trade. And uh, you're saying that your approach is similar to that, as far as the question answer and uh, you know, make make up your own mind, sort of. Yeah, you know, I I hadn't thought about it in that context, but yeah, I guess that <laughs> it is on my is on those lines. Yes. Your your book itself, the 230 pages, is certainly a, a wonderful undertaking. Is this your first uh, attempt at writing and sharing with the public? Uh, you mentioned this is part of a trilogy, so my presumption is it's your first book in three. Uh, is that correct? Uh, pretty much. I've had prior publications, but they are very minor things. None of them was a whole book. Uh, and uh, it was like college yearbooks and and newspaper articles excellent things like that well uh, authors and writers and people who have a curiosity come from all types of backgrounds there must have been as you completed this you looked back over the work and i'm sure we're satisfied at its completion uh, as a creative i know that's a difficult place to be but in looking back is there any one thing or a couple of things that you want the reader to take away from your work here well yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, okay. I, I, I suppose trusting in God more than in the world. Hmm. To recognize that all the denominations out there are as much about worldly tradition of the Bible and of God as actually what those actually say. And I also hope that they would find themselves closer to such a loving 
and wife's father. Excellent, excellent choice. Now, there are probably some things in the book that are perhaps your favorite. Uh, Is there something in there that you feel the reader is going to find uh, not beyond entertaining, but will inspire them specifically? Uh, You talk about the hmm. the Dr. God portion. I understand there was something to do with your personal experience in that uh, that section. Yes. Uh, And that probably would touch on the question you just asked. Uh, as a child, I had this chronic uh, illness of the kidneys. It was supposed to take my life. The doctors didn't have any cure for it. Wow. And I just got tired of dealing with it and decided to take it into my own hands. And to me, that meant asking God for guidance about it. And then I, I did receive it. It. That's in the book, and I don't want to give too much of it away, but that that was the fundamental principle. And later on in years, there were other occasions when stuff like that would happen. Not nearly as serious as that, but it, it directs us to, you know, look into the one that has all the information. That's that's good advice. I think for anyone who is uh, a faith-based person, uh, they should be looking towards the solution, which in your case was your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Now, is there anything about this book that's different, or is it similar to other books in the marketplace? I don't know that I've interviewed anybody that has a book exactly like this, but how do you feel about it? Yeah, um, what I have seen... Very few books actually, even though they're supposed to be based upon faith, do not rely on what the scriptures say. They, I don't know where they get their, you know, opinions. It's like I said before, as much on tradition as it is on a matter of faith and what's in the scriptures. Hmm. And so I rely. I go through all of the scriptures related to the various topics that I can find. I use exhaustive concordance plus additional reading to find out. And then I make a list of them and address each one as they go through the scriptures. Beautiful. Have you had an opportunity to share this with uh, people, and are you getting any uh, responses at this point, or is that still something that's in the future and on the horizon? Well, you know, every once in a while I run into the people and I say, I have this book, and just say, what's it about? And I, I carry a copy with me and pull it out, let them read the front, which it kind of explains everything and in a very general sense, and then They've all given very positive responses to it. Uh, uh, At least three people I've talked to over the phone with the publishing and and related uh, things say, hey, I was inspired by this. Beautiful. And so that's making me feel really good that (laughs) it is 
doing what I'm hoping. <laughs> well, that's that's a great commendation, especially when you're talking to editors who see all types of books and things come across their desk and they have to get in the middle of it and kind of fix stuff. Uh, this is a, a great uh, piece of commendation then from the publisher and I'm sure others as they read your book. Terry, one thing I noticed is that your cover is uh, sort of unique. It's uh, broken down into three segments. Explain how that came about. Well, the author house, when I submitted the book, wanted to, know, wanted to know if I had a design for it. And at that moment, I didn't. That evening, I went home, and I was inspired. And it has meaning. Okay, basically, there's a white horizontal stripe for the Dr. God part. And right below that is a light blue stripe uh, for the baptism part. And at the bottom, there's a darker blue for the Holy Spirit part. And then along the left side, there's a one-inch light blue for the general title. Hmm. Okay. Now, the meaning behind it is, well, the white stripe at the top is symbolic of God's wisdom, his knowledge, and his enlightenment for us, and white enlightenment. Okay, blue is a color that is associated with Holy Spirit. That's the reason Holy Spirit is blue. Right. The topic of baptism, it kind of mixes those two. Good thought. And then the, the light blue stripe on the left side binds three together. Excellent. That explains it very, very, uh, very succinctly. I appreciate that. Again, the title of this book is That, T-H-A-T, Simple, S-I-M-P-L-E, That Simple, and this is the first in a, a three-book series. Uh, Terry, where do my listeners get a copy of this? Well, Amazon.com, uh, Barnes & Noble, and, of course, my publisher, Author House. Excellent. And if they do a search under your name, Terry Stratton, S-T-R-A-T-T-O-N, excuse me, two T's, S-T-R-A-T-T-O-N, they can locate this book and the next that come in the series. So I congratulate you on completing this, the first in the series titled That Simple. And uh, they can do a search under your name, find out about this and others that will come in the future. Terry, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me, and you have a good day. Well, thank you, sir, for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 
888-285-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts... Greetings for Author House and Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled, an interesting title, Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Subtitled, Can You See the Cross? And joining me from the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Georgia area is the, uh, the writer, the author of this book, Willie James Webb. Pastor Webb, thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. This is uh, an interesting book from several perspectives, and uh, certainly your educational background is extensive. I understand from our conversation you are still involved in ministry. And uh, tell my listeners a little of your background and how this book got to be written. Well, it's, uh, you know, if I can sort of uh, minimize it and say something worthwhile. Uh, I have a long history in the ministry, and uh, I've been fortunate to work in many different areas. Uh, I worked as a probation officer for some years, and uh, I worked uh, for the state of Georgia in mental health for some years, and I got the Governor's Award in 1987 for the mental health work that I did. Phenomenal. And uh, my ministry goes back to high school, really. I was uh, called to preach when I was 12th grade at Tuskegee Institute High School. Wow. And uh, I've been uh, in the ministry since that time, and I went and got a master's in sociology. I got a master's of divinity uh, at ITC here in Atlanta, and uh, I went to Georgia State and uh, got an uh, MS degree in uh, uh, public administration. Incredible. And I have worked with people just about all my life, and I've integrated my ministerial uh, leanings in every area that I've worked in. And I worked at the uh, Wheat Street Baptist Church. I was the assistant pastor there. It's a historic church here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, under great pastor, Reverend uh, William Hone Borders, who was there for 50 years. And I uh, was his assistant for 20 years in the pulpit at Wheat Street Baptist Church, uh, right down the street from Ebenezer Baptist Church, Dr. King's Church. Fabulous. You and, you have you and, have and a so wonderful background. I became background. interim pastor uh, mm. there for a year, and uh, so I've have always been involved in the communities. Uh, I was the president of my community association uh, as well. So uh, I, uh, when I was at Morehouse College, I had a professor by the name of Lucius Tobin, and uh, he helped me to focus on the culture crisis. And so all of my ministry deals with the culture crisis. And uh, he felt that ministry was not relevant unless you were dealing with the crises in the community. Beautiful. So that's generally my background, and that's generally my focus right there in and the ministry. And you deal with the, yes, and you're working with, with other young ministers and young ministries and training them in that same aspect of uh, giving back to the community, if I understand our early conversations. Uh, that is correct. Uh, I taught uh, through ITC as an adjunct professor in religion, I taught 12 courses through ITC, the Interdenominational Theological Center here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, <clears throat> the largest of its kind. And uh, after I finished teaching there for about six years, uh, 12 courses in theology, uh, I incorporated two organizations. One was the Christian Institute of Public Theology, and that's what I do through this incorporated organization here in Georgia, mm. the Christian Institute of Public Theology. 
And also I have a, another corporation called the Christian Association of Public Theologians. Our 14th uh, annual conference come this October the 17th. And so all of these organizations are geared toward teaching public theology, and that is the new thing that we are focusing on. And in my book, uh, Ezekiel Saw the Wheel, some of these ideas about uh, public theology are involved mm. there. Right. And since we don't have a lot of time on the air, I just want to say this, that on the cover of this book, uh, you'll see a wheel, and uh, you'll see a cross uh, within the wheel. Uh, Ezekiel saw the wheel. And uh, what I try to accomplish in public theology is to help people understand the four primary gifts that God has given us to solve problems. One is science. And on the back of this book, you can see the science there. Yes. And the other one is art. Mm -hmm. There's art also here. And then the other one would be law. Of course, justice is, uh, represents what the law is, the balance of the scales, Correct. scales of justice. And the other one, of course, would be the theology, and that's SALT, S-A-L-T. And that's to put it uh, uh, abbreviated uh, so you know what public the theology is about. Well, it's beautiful. You have uh, it's, it's, one, uh, one question I have, sir, and uh, one that I'm sure you address in your book. There is a an assault, if I may use that term, on the symbol of a cross uh, in the public square. And how do you address that in your book? What is your thoughts about that and uh, and why it's under attack? Well, uh, it's under attack because people have the uh, mistaken notion that it represents religion. And somehow in America, we have said uh, there must be separation be between church and state. Mm. And so anytime there's a religious symbol, uh, then uh, they, they want to say that we can't uh, uh, accept this as a part of uh, anything that's in the public square. Yes. That we've got to keep religion out of the public square. And in my book, I'm trying to show them that you cannot get rid of the cross anyway. The cross is just everywhere. In other words, uh, wh what are you going to do with the plus sign mm -hmm. if you don't want, want to see the cross? And every intersection, uh, there's a cross, you know, the way the streets are made. In Atlanta, we got 85 and uh, 75 going north and I-20 going west. It right. makes a cross. Right, it does. So crosses are just everywhere, but the crosses uh, were here before Jesus uh, was born. Hmm. And, and so it's, it's misguided. Interesting. It, it definitely, at least from a uh, those people of faith, uh, of, of which I am one, the cross symbol to us represents our faith, and that is definitely under assault right now. And, you know, I uh, I have family members who are very sensitive. You know, they don't want to over-teach over their children about uh, Christianity or about religion. They want them to make their own decision. And my comeback, at least intellectually, is uh, do you do the same about drugs and, uh, you know, premarital sex and all the other vices that are in the marketplace? Do you also not approach those subjects? So I, I think there is a, a general balance that's missing in our conversation that you definitely are addressing in your book. Would you call it a, a book of theology or how would you address to the book? It, it is a, a book of theology. Uh, but it, it adds, uh, uh, let me put it this way, uh, there, there are primary two functions of religion. Right. Uh, one function is the, the priestly function, and that is, that is a, for parish ministry. 
where you go to church and you, you worship and praise God and meditate and fellowship and do all those wonderful things there. But that's the priestly function. And when it comes to the cross, uh, that's the vertical dimension of the cross. Mm-hmm. See, that's the vertical dimension. And that's a good thing, the vertical dimension. But uh, there is another dimension and another function of religion. And that, that function of, of religion uh, is the prophetic function. And the prophetic function operates on the horizontal level. Hmm. And so you can't have uh, true religion without the vertical upreach to God and the horizontal outreach to man. Beautifully see? put, but, yes. And that makes a cross, you see. Mm, absolutely. And so that makes true religion. Sure. You've got to have the vertical and the horizontal. And the way you prove that, uh, uh, when they asked Jesus, what was the great commandment in the law? Love your neighbor. So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's vertical, you see. Yep. And then he said, the second is like unto it, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And that's horizontal. Absolutely. So well, we have the priestly function and the prophetic function that makes the cross, and that's true religion. When and, you be, uh, when and, you began to write this, Pastor, you obviously have a heart for people, or you wouldn't have been or chosen the profession and the avocation that you have uh, have done so in life. Now, in writing this, uh, was there a passion for a particular audience? Do you feel this is one that maybe a pastor would find more informative than perhaps a church member or a person that's a non-church member? Yeah, uh, this book really relates to a broad uh, society, you know, people of all persuasions. Yes. Because it, it uh, represents science, uh, it represents art, and it represents law, and it represents religion. Mm. So everybody can benefit, but the main focus I want to uh, share with them is how the Bible uh, is a unique book and uh, the cross uh, is a symbol uh, from God for many different things. So in the cross, uh, it gives north and south and east and west, you see. Mm. And in the Bible, we had uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. True. And then the clock, you know, have 12 hours in the day. Right. And there were 12 tribes of Israel. Uh-huh. And uh, the compass, you know, the, this this circle, you know, it had uh, it has uh, 360 degrees in it, four right angles, and it makes a cross. But the cross uh, is is uh, in a lot of things that we don't even realize. And uh, I, I wanted to show the power of of two lines. You have the horizontal line, and uh, that's a minor sign. Yes. The horizontal line is a minor sign. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and then it takes away, it reduces, it decreases. That's what a minor sign does, see? And, and then uh, you can have a, a division sign. You put two dots, one dot on the top and one dot on the bottom, right. and that divides. Mm-hmm. See, that diminishes. And then, but, but if you want to uh, change uh, the minus to something, you put a vertical line, and then it becomes a plus sign. Beautiful. Beautiful. It becomes a positive sign. Mm-hmm. And then you can tilt it a little bit, and then becomes a, a multiplication sign, two lines. Yes. Interesting. And, and it multiplies. Uh, and so just two lines now, you know, uh, do, does all of this. Uh, and, and you can use that in, 
in, in many, many different ways. Now, Pastor the power Hal- of two lines, I have it in my book. You, by, by obvious uh, recollection or obvious understanding, you have spent some time on this and thoughtful uh, contemplation on the contents of your book. How long did it take you to complete it, Pastor? Well, um, it didn't take me very long because I'm writing all the time. Ah. And, and I pulled uh, information from different places. So uh, this book, I, I say, you know, uh, I, when I pull my information together, probably uh, maybe six months or something like that, when I pull it together and have time to put it together, because I'm doing so many other things. Right. Your your book is uh, unique, at least from your perspective. Uh, do you feel people will find it unique also? Uh, what What is the uh, the interesting facts about this that make it different from others in the marketplace dealing with theological content? Uh, this book, uh, it includes the foundations for science. Hmm. Uh, it includes the foundations for art. Hmm. See, see, the cross is a, it's a scientific symbol, the cross. We, we talk about the plus sign. And, uh, and, and then uh, it's, uh, it, it's art because balance. When we think of art, we, we, talk about, we think about balance and synchronization and harmony. And so I'm trying to give people uh, an appreciation of those four gifts that God has given us. Science, art, law, you know, justice, uh, and theology. Yes. Uh, and God and man's relationship to God. That's theology. Uh, so it has all of that in it, and there are a lot of... Uh, uh, and, and what I've called this... Uh, is the uh, is a theounigraph. Now mm. that's a word that I made up myself. That sounds challenging. Yeah, theounigraph. Mm. Uh, that's what these are, like a clock. That's a theounigraph. See, anytime you draw a circle, uh, that's that's a theounigraph. And uh, roundness is is in the universe, you know. Yes. Uh, the Earth is round, and there's something about the roundness of things. It's universal. It's a universal symbol. And so I'm trying to get people to focus on uh, the universality of the Bible, that it's, a different, it's different from any other book. All of the universal principles are in the Bible. And it came about before uh, the scientific or the uh, technological age. But it's still sound. And there's something about 12. It's something about the roundness. And uh, the book of Ezekiel has more about directions than any other book in the Bible. Mm. It talks more about east and west and uh, north and south uh, than any other book. Fascinating. About directions. We've taken a very complex subject and uh, distilled it down into just over 100 pages, so it's a very uh, concise and fairly simple read. It uh, deals with a complex subject but makes it so that it's understandable. Uh, I appreciate your taking time to share the background into Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Can You See the Cross is the subtitle. Pastor, where can my listeners get a copy of, uh, of this book? Uh, they can get a copy at Arthur House, uh, Barnes & Noble, and uh, Amazon. Uh, they would, would have that book. Uh, it, it's a unique book, and uh, I was led of God to, to do this, and because I can't do it on my own, I, I enjoy 
going through it myself, and they will find many other things in this book. Uh, I have the ism rating scale here. Uh-huh. You know, I go through all the ism, like racism, classism, ethnocentrism, elitism, masochism, tribalism, sectarianism, cultism. I got all the isms in here. I noticed uh, that. That they can read about. Absolutely. The book is full of good information and uh, certainly thoughtful in the way you've presented it. My author has been Willie James Webb, W-E-B-B. And he's the author of this uh, unique book titled Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Can you see the cross is the question. And you can order this from the online sources, but also from your local bookseller if you go and and request it by name. I'm sure it will be an entertaining and interesting and informative read and certainly get uh, uh, give you an opportunity to get acquainted with the author. Uh, Pastor Webb, is there another book in the future? Are you working on something else? Oh, yes, I've already completed another book, and I want to mention this one. It's very important. Uh, uh, my other, my latest book uh, is about uh, uh, addiction to hatred. In, hmm. in other words, the title is Hatred Addiction, uh, uh, Hatred Addiction. Fabulous. A very hatred interesting title. And Prescriptions for Wellness, How People Can Get Over the Hatred. Well, I'm all behind behind that, as many people are. I I am anxious to to talk with you when that's released publicly. Thank you, Pastor Webb, for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment. hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bonafide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become bruxomaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A bruxomaniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts... Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. My author, who joins me from Detroit, Michigan, Patricia Yarborough, has written a book titled Situational Praise, and uh, she joins me today. Welcome to the program. Nice to talk to you, Mr. J. Nice to visit with you. You originally grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, from the back of your book, it indicates there were some challenges in your life, and in spite of those, I think... That's why this book may have been written. It is really full of poetry and uh, deals with life incidences. Uh, share with my listeners a little of your, your background. How did this book get to be written? What was the, the motivation behind it? Yeah, motivation. I just enjoyed encouraging people, writing to other people, and encouraging them. 
You mentioned in your biography that you had some challenges uh, growing up in Pittsburgh. Were those physical, mental, emotional, spiritual? How would you describe those? I could say physical and emotional. Physical and emotional. All right. And yes. your book your book is 142 pages. Uh, that's that's quite a lot of poetry, I think. Is this your first book that you've written? Yes. Pat, tell me a little bit more about your background. Uh, did you have a career of any type besides being an author? Worked as a nurse's aide. Wonderful. Driven a school, driven a school bus. I'm right now. I work as an LPN. Fabulous. I uh, I know how important that particular uh, business is, and I'll call it even a ministry to people who are ill. My brother-in-law, who just passed had some wonderful care in the hospital and was uh, in the hospital for over a month, maybe two months in, in time. Uh, your book uh, has how, how many, uh, I, I, what, what would be the one poem that you think stands out and will stand out to the reader, and uh, would you like to share that with my audience today? Uh, my main poems would be, um, poem I've written uh, Courage and a Mother Who Lost Her Daughter. Hmm. I noticed one short reflection. It's titled, Just a Piece of Dirt. I'm just a piece of dirt. How shall I be afraid when God has my life? I will remember what he said in his word and commit myself to him. Your book really is full of inspirational poetry, correct? And also faith-based. Yes. Excellent. One poem I was thinking about is A Heartbeat of a Mother. Beautiful. In fact, you have several several poems that mention moms in them, and uh, one that is, I guess, a tribute to your own mom. Uh, mom, you encourage me to dream. You encourage me to be what God wanted me to be. How can I repay you for all the things that you do? I thank God for you. Mom, you're the one who cheered me up when I was down. You know how to put a smile on my face when you see a frown. I thank God for you. Mom, when your schedule was busy, you managed to find time with me to spend. I thank God for you. Mom, you are so special. One day, I want to be like you, inspiring others to be like God and telling them they're able to go through. And then it closes with, I thank God for you. A tribute to your mom, I'm guessing, correct? Yes, some some of them were like poems I've written for my mother and just some I've written for others. And uh, because they are... Uh, rhythmic in their style. Have has anyone uh, approached you about putting them to music, or have any of them been put to music? Well, I do have some song lyrics. You know, I I don't write music, but I know you know my own melody of them. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. There there are uh, 119 pages. I guess on the 119th page, the song lyrics are are listed there. How long did it take you to write all of these uh, these poems and get them ready for publication? Well, I, well, these I have written these I have poems that were written since I was like eleven years old. I wrote for people, so it's like a collection over the years. Mm, beautiful. And I just got them together. Uh, did Did you keep a journal? Is that how you remembered where they were? Uh, I have some authors that do that, and uh, or were they just um, in a in a file drawer or a file cabinet somewhere? Yeah, it's mostly like in a journal. Beautiful. And do you have uh, other thoughts in the journal that might be put into book form at some point, or are they all poetry? Mostly all poetry. Wonderful. And uh, as a young child, were you uh, a person that was a dreamer, had imagination, and always wanted to write, or was this just an expression of your soul? Always um, written as a 
child. I was mostly like a, a learn. I was like a loner. Right. And I always, you know, kept to myself. Well, there's. I think many of us can relate to that. I I grew up. I I was a third in the family, but I grew up with two older, much older sisters. And uh, my dad was, uh, you know, we lived in rural settings for a while when I was a really young child. In fact, I I made up a playmate. I've forgotten what his name is now, but it's been such a long time ago. I had a, a pretend friend who was a boy and a pretend dog that was, I don't know, male, female, is just a dog that was pretend. Did you have any of those imaginations when you were a child? No. You're very fortunate. I'm. I, I'm. I'm happy to say that my friend, whoever he was, uh, I, I guess lived on elsewhere in someone else's uh, existence and had a good life. Your poetry deals with family. It deals with uh, you know different signs of love. Uh, you talk about a one-sided lover. That's an interesting idea or, or title. The most important thing I think that people can relate to is unconditional love and that's something that many are seeking for Uh, you have found a way of expressing that in a poem itself and all of your poetry relates back to faith how important is that to your life i mean that's uh, very important as a young child i was uh, molested when i was young and Mm. and i always stayed to myself and that's what got me through you know crying out to god and reaching out to god and it was God to help me get through. Beautiful. And what do you hope? His, his love brought me out. What, what do you hope to achieve by sharing this with the world? This is uh, sort of a laying bare your soul in sharing your your poetry. Uh, there is a desire behind that. What would it be? To en- encourage someone that's going through different situations in their life. You know, let them know that there's hope in Christ. Beautiful. And as a person of faith, uh, that is something that's important to me, as you have shared it. Uh, you, uh, Because you're working with people who are ill and sometimes terminally ill, have you had an opportunity to share with them uh, your foundation of hope and also maybe some of your poetry? What do you think is the most exciting thing that is uh, facing your future? Do you hope that this will lead to more books released and shared with the public? Yes. Excellent. This book, uh, again, is titled Situational Praise, which indicates it does deal with uh, challenges and and victories in personal life, regardless of circumstances. I'm sure that is what uh, drives you and motivates you in your work and also as a poet. Uh, your, your work is, uh, again, rhythmic. It's uh, easy to read. It is a light read because it's 142 pages. I would say that this book would be great for someone who wants a personal uh, journal to be cheered up from, and also maybe even pastors and ministers who are looking for something to share with the congregation. I, I, I'm looking at this and thinking, wow, there's some ideas in here that might just inspire someone who's going through a tough time. And you've indicated that's sort of what you want to do with this book, correct? That's correct. Well, beautiful. Well, Pat, thank you again for joining me today. This book, again, is titled Situational Praise, and it deals really with a life reflection from the author, Patricia Yarbrough. And this book can be found on uh, Amazon.com, on Barnes & Noble, and also can be uh, requested from your local bookseller under the name of the book, Situational Praise. 
raise. And uh, this will not only help the author to maybe get inspired to share additional stories and additional poetry in the near future. Pat, thank you for joining me today. And thank you very much. My pleasure, and best of luck. Uh, we, again, in reading the two or three excerpts that I did, I, I find your, your work to be excellent. So, again, the author, Patricia Yarborough, a, uh, Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H, if you're looking online, and the title of the book, again, is Situational Praise. Thanks, Pat, for joining me today. Thank you. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.